All right, welcome to 1111. Hey, let's thank our band and our leaders today for leading us in song. Boom, boom, boom. Albert Einstein once said this. He said, there are two things that are infinite, the universe and man's stupidity. And I'm not so sure about the universe. Now, I can relate to that quote, not because I can relate to Einstein, but I can relate to doing stupid things. Someone wrote long ago, I can't remember where, he said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. This guy was caught in the cycle of stupidity. And I find myself many times caught in that very same cycle. God, why do I keep on doing the things I shouldn't do and I don't do the things I Why am I caught in that cycle of stupidity? And one of the things that we do, we tend to do, well, I'll just say I do, is to hold on to something that is a false belief or a lie. That's, that's really dumb. You hold on to something in your life something that someone said about you or a belief that's out there, and you know it's, it's wrong, you know it's not true, but you hold on to that no matter what the consequences and the fear and the anxiety and the chaos that it brings in your life. Now, we're going to do a conference coming up in about, I don't know, 10 or 12 days. Call, it's a culture conference called Fearless. How do you engage a culture with confidence? We're going to look at many of the lies that are being spread out in our culture today and how do you deal with them. So that's coming up. If you haven't signed up for that, sign up. So, by the way, if you're wondering what that was, it's kind of like when you're watching a YouTube video and you're in the middle and all of a sudden an ad pops up. That's the pop-up ad. That's the last one. <laughs> Click, skip, ad. All right, back to the message. One of the things we hang on to, as I said, are lies. It's, it's kind of stupid to hang on to something that is untrue. But many times we hang on to a lie. Why? Because we don't know that it's a lie. Then we get caught in that cycle, infinite cycle, as Einstein said, of stupidity. Okay? So today we're going to look at how we can combat lies and how, how we can combat a big lie, a big false belief that lodges itself in our hearts and our minds. Now, to do that, we need to go to the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is addressing uh, a lot of people in Corinth who were caught in that cycle of stupidity. This church had massive problems. They had ego and superstar problems. They had uh, problems related to sexuality. They had problems related to getting drunk and wasted at the Lord's Supper Eucharist ceremony, okay? We'll get to those fun items in the weeks ahead. So these cats had a lot of problems, a lot of issues. They were holding on to some false beliefs. It was affecting the way they lived. And so Paul's addressing these things one after another in these very practical chapters in this book. So look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Paul goes, now, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, he uses that term a lot in this letter, brothers and sisters, in spite of the fact that you're caught in this cycle of stupidity, in spite of the fact that you're, you know, have ingested these lies, 
You're my brothers and sisters, he said. We're brothers and sisters. We're family. I have applied these things uh, to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Now, in studying for this week, I looked at that phrase, what does Paul mean, do not go beyond what is written? You know what? I don't know. I really don't know. There's a lot of mystery there, a lot of uncertainty. Scholars have all kinds of debates. Maybe he's saying don't go beyond what's written in Scripture. Anyway, he just lays it out there. There's, there's mystery to that phrase. Here we go. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. Remember, that's kind of the deal. They're saying, hey, man, I follow Paul, and Paul founded this church. He's the man. I don't need Apollos. Other people were saying, I like Apollos. He's really smart. He's intellectual. He's a great speaker. He is the guy. I don't need Paul. Other people are saying, I like Peter. He's a man's man. He's a hunter. He's a fisherman, right? He wears Under Armour, right? He, he is the bad dude. I'm going to follow the rock, okay? And so they had all these personality cults that they were developing in their church, pitting one against the other. Paul's addressing that and saying, what are you doing? Don't do that. Then in verse 7, he says, um, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And here, Paul goes sarcastic. I'm so thankful for that. Paul goes sarcastic here, also in the entire book of Galatians. Uh, if it were not for sarcasm and coffee, I would not be able, I would not have a personality. So Paul, I don't want her to name in. Paul goes on to say here, here here's he goes. He goes, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. You have become, you've begun to reign. And that is without us. How I wish, oh, I just wish uh, that I really had begun to reign so that I also might reign with you. Paul is reigning on his friends here. He's saying, wow, I wish I had it all together like you. I wish I was rich like you. I wish I was large and in charge like you. I wish I was a self-made man or a self-made woman like you guys are in Corinth. Boy, I wish I were like you. And he lays it out. Basically, he's saying, you guys think you've arrived. You think you're all that in a bag of organic chips. But you're not. You're not everything you have. Everything you have, you received. Someone gave that to you. You got it from someone else. Or the opportunity was available for you. Everything you have. How can you boast and brag and act like you're all that? You're special. I hear that a lot, and, and, and you know, obviously in our country. I'm a self-made guy. I'm a self-made gal. If you'd have been born outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, would you still be in the place you are today? If you were born on a street offside of Calcutta, would you still be there today? 
with all the Tony Robbins seminars you've been to, I kind of doubt it. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not coming down. If you've worked hard and you've achieved in your life, it's great. But a lot of your achievement, a lot of my achievement is because of opportunity that was there by being born in this country that has freedoms that allows you to progress. And God allowed you to meet the right person at the right place and to do the right thing and to have the right skill and the right discernment. So everything we have is a gift. Don't fall for the lies that you're special, that you're unique, that you're better and more spiritual than other people just because you follow this particular leader this way. Everything we have is a gift. You see, the, the big thing that he's combating here that, that I can see is something I think that, that we all struggle with. The big lie that, that leads, leads to a cycle, a cycle of stupidity, the big lie that he was combating was this. Well, let me, first of all, let me talk about this. Let's talk about the big questions, right? Years ago, people were concerned about big questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? What is my purpose? Today, people aren't concerned with that question. You know the big question is today? Have you been vaccinated yet? <laughs> First shot, second shot, Pfizer, post-Moderna, who did it, right? That's a big question, and it's good. If you've been vaccinated, that's great. Most of us have. That's going to prevent the spread, the disease that's allowed us to move around, and I'm very thankful for that. But here's the big lie. Not about the vaccine. Don't go Joe Rogan on me. Not about the vaccine. The big lie is, if you follow God, this is what the Corinthians believe, this is what a lot of us believe, but we don't say it out loud. If you follow God, then you're immunized from the suffering and the brutal realities of this life. That's it. If you follow God, or you really dial it in, and you move from being a baby and an adolescent to an adult to a mature person in Christ, then you're going to get to a point where you're at this level that nothing's going to bother you. You're going to be above the problems. You're going to be rich. You're going to be healthy. You're not going to worry. You're not going to have problems. You are going to have it dialed in. And he's saying, that's simply not the truth. Just because you follow God, and maybe you follow God with all your heart, doesn't mean that your problems and all your struggles will one day vanish. If you believe that, and most of us have on some level, then you've swallowed a lie, hook, line, and sinker. Following God doesn't immunize you from suffering and the brutal realities of this life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations.
So if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a tough time, if you're dealing with the harsh realities of life, it does not necessarily mean that you're out of God's will or that God doesn't have his hand of blessing on your life. Look at verse 9 and 11, two more verses. Or three. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. So if you remember those old movies where the Romans would conquer a city and after they conquer a city they would take all the prisoners and they would take all the other military leaders and maybe citizens and march them down in a parade and everybody would go, hail Caesar, hail Rome, we have conquered another city, bom, bom, bom. and they would party because they would take all these people with them and make them slaves or kill them. That's what Paul said. Paul said, that's what, that's what I'm like as an apostle. I'm at the end of this parade of someone who's been captured. I'm being mocked and ridiculed, and I may be on my way to death, which he was eventually by Nero. And then, what does he say? Verse 10, we are fools for Christ, but you were so wise in Christ. Again, he's being sarcastic. We're weak, but you are strong. You are honored above it all, but we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty and we're in rags and we're brutally treated. We are homeless. To this very hour, which means right now, we're living in dire straits. Right now, we're enduring brutal battles and brutal realities. What are the brutal realities? Hunger and thirst. Tattered clothes. Homelessness. All that was going on in his life as he was writing this letter to this church in Corinth. Right now, in this very hour, many of us are dealing with rough, brutal realities. Whether it's trying to make it through cancer, trying to make it through grief, trying to make it through a divorce, trying to make it through loneliness, trying to make it through being rejected and depression. You are in the middle of a brutal battle right now, right now. Again, he's making this contrast. The ideal that, man, I'm going to have it all together someday and no more problems and no more worries and no more anxiety. I'm going to dial in God to such a degree that I am above it all. And Paul said, listen, I'm a, I've been chosen by God to be an apostle and I've been following him and I'm doing this and that. But man, I'm dealing with some harsh, brutal realities in my own life. Now, let me say this as a parenthesis. This is not a pop-up ad. This is a parenthesis, okay? You know, and the parenthesis is this, that a lot of times problems we have in our life or consequences or brutal realities are caused by us being caught in the cycle of stupidity. Okay? 
So sometimes what's happening in our life, negative things that are happening, harsh things that are happening, are a result of our choices that we made. But sometimes it has nothing to do with our choices. Sometimes it's just life happening around us. Sometimes it's simply a consequence of following God. So the question is, how do we live during this time? How do we live through a time when we're we're dealing with these rugged and brutal realities? Now again, all of life is not that way. All of following God in Christ is not that way. But what do we do in this time? Look what he did. Two verses, verses 12 and 13. Check it out. He said, we work hard with our own hands. Somebody's got to get up in the morning and go to work. That's what Paul did. Again, he goes full Belichick. Do your job. You got a job to do. You're in school. You got to get up every morning, every day, go to work. That's what he's talking about. He said, I work, we work hard with our own hands. Paul was a businessman his whole life. He was never on a church staff. He was never a pastor, okay? He had a tent company. He built the tent with his own hands. He wrote the Bible and planted churches on the side. No pressure, okay? Paul was tough. Paul worked with his hands. He got up every day and went to work. So in the midst of the brutal realities of life, in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the uncertainty, Paul got up and went to work. That's what he did. He worked hard with his own hands. Right? Verse 12. When he was cursed, he blessed. When we were persecuted, he endured it. When he was slandered, he answered kindly. He says, we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. We work hard with our hands. When people curse us, we bless them. When we feel like quitting, we endure it. What did Paul do? He went counterintuitive. In the midst of the rugged realities of life, the pain and the heartache and the suffering and all that. He gets up, he goes to work. When people say negative things about him, he blesses them back. Not blesses them out. He doesn't answer in kind. And he doesn't quit. He endures. He crashes through those quitting points. That's what Paul did. He went counterintuitive. How do you do that? How do you do that? I can't. I don't know how to do that. How do you go to work every single day when your world is falling apart, so to speak? How do you say positive things to people who are ripping you up and slandering you, you know, with their thumbs and what they're saying online? How do you do that? How do you endure when times get really tough? How do you do that? He went counterintuitive. But then doesn't it kind of connect back to what he said earlier a few weeks ago? 
I want to boast on the cross. Isn't the cross the ultimate in, if this is the word, counterintuitiveness? Isn't the cross that? The cross, this instrument of destruction, this instrument of shame, this instrument of uh, political theater that the Romans used to shut everybody up. They thought they'd shut up Christ. They thought they'd shut up this movement that was starting in this small little backwoods town there in Judea. But actually, it was God being counterintuitive to use something like a death, a shameful death on the cross, to reverse it with the resurrection. So that people like you and people like me could be accepted, so that we could become these brothers and sisters and children of God. So what looked like the worst hour in the life of Christ was his finest hour. As he was calling a people unto himself, as he was dying as a sacrificial representative for us. So Paul's simply following the leader here, isn't he? He's following Christ, following in his footsteps of going counterintuitive during these times of struggle. And how was he doing it moment by moment, day by day? It's by leaning and receiving the strength of God himself. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I wish my circumstances would change. I wish it was, this would all go away. But Christ says, my grace, my power will be sufficient for you. Then Philippians, what, chapter 4, verse 13? He says, I've learned how to get along when times are great, when I'm being blessed, when I am full, and I have learned how to be down in the ditches uh, in the harsh realities of life. He said, what? I can do all things through Christ who keeps on pouring his strength in to me. One of my close friends is a clinical psychologist, and he said this to me years ago. He said, Ben, I believe that life is a setup. Life is a setup. That God is allowing us to go through certain things and certain experiences and certain realities that we will learn to lean on his strength and power. There are two things that are infinite. The universe and man's stupidity. But I've learned this. And I know many of you have learned this exact same thing that my infinite stupidity is no match for God's infinite strength. 
when I'm weak, he's strong. When I need him, and I'm at the end of my rope, he's right there. He truly is the God of miracles.